This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS and KMOX 205. Gorgeous day out there. Weekend's going to be just perfect. Um, I'm going to talk a little sports with wheels here in a second, but but uh, today's show is going to be all over the place. I don't know what it is. The last, I'm getting sleep. I'm I'm doing the work. Swear to God, but I just feel <laughs> scattered in an entertaining way. Hopefully, I, I just don't, I just feel scattered. It's like, hey, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this. Uh, the Exorcist looms large in my sky because when I was a kid, it came out when I was probably twelve. And I didn't see it, but I had uh, a horror magazine that had a drawing of mm. Reagan. It was a very simple drawing. It wasn't detailed, and it just, like, all my stuff went numb. And <laughs> that was it. And uh, then, of course, I saw the, the movie, and I saw two and three, and it was horrifying. And then in 2008, my team was the first to ever get into the Exorcist house over in Belnor by Umsel, and we did a Halloween show from there. And then a few years later, I went back and did the television show from there. So it's, yeah, I'm kind of associated with the Exorcist and the Exorcist house. And this is going to sound so stupid, so I I admit it. But I feel like I have a special talent. Maybe you guys feel the same way, of really being able to judge a movie by the trailer. And when I saw the trailer for this new Exorcist Believer, I was like, no, this is going to suck. And uh, Jason Bloom from Bloomhouse, who does a lot of my favorite horror movies, they paid $400 million for just the rights mm. to The Exorcist. No one's ever done that before. And uh, the reviews are coming in, and evidently it's just awful. <laughs> just <laughs> that awful. That stinks. It, yeah. looked, it looked pretty bad. It looked pretty stupid. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so hard to... I think to revive Let that universe, just yeah. leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Just leave it alone. Yeah, is it supposed to be a reboot or it's like <laughs> no, Exorcist it's a, in the future? It's a, a sequel where Ellen Burstyn, the mom, and I don't know the storylines. No, there's two little girls, and yeah. they find Ellen Burstyn, and she's like, "Oh, I know something about the devil." And <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. I mean, I know that. The, how many ways can I, I, this is one of the things that I run into with horror movies a lot. How many ways can you do possessions that haven't already been done? Mm-hmm. So it either has to be incredibly well written and acted and shot and you know has to look right and have the mood and all of that, or it has to be something totally unique, like a new twist on things. And I just, it's hard to find you that. Know, I asked my I asked my brother once, just out of curiosity, because he's worked on movie sets and he's been on movie sets and visited them and stuff. And I asked him, when you're making a bad movie, does everyone know? Is everyone just like miserable, like, oh, this sucks? 
And he said, no, no one has any idea. Wow. Really? Like most of the time, because they're all like scenes are shot completely out You're of just, order. Oh, that's a good point, right? Everything and, is like, sequenced You know, weird. it's not like, like the music is hasn't been added in and all that. the editing yeah. and all the post-processing and the CG and all that stuff still has to come. So it does, yeah. like now, it, maybe back in the old days, you knew... But nowadays, it's like they that's have no idea how bad this movie is going to be until like they see it at the premiere and go, "Oh no, that sucked." Should I tell my story from the television show? Sure. So yes. uh, it was Discovery back then, turned mm-hmm. into Destination, Destination America. America, and they found out about me because they were going to the Exorcist house and doing Exorcism Live, uh, which took three days to rehearse, which was weird for a live show, <laughs> and. Uh, so they did a segment with me, and I guess they liked the cut of my jib. They're like, how would you like to be the co-host? And I'm like, I would like that very much. <laughs> and uh, so they're like, well, we have a host. And I'm like, I'll, I'll take him out in the first day. I'll be the host. Yeah. And I get there, and he looked like Ryan Reynolds' slightly less handsome brother. So I knew I was screwed. <laughs> and he was in the front yard, and I was literally in the backyard. I was the backyard host. <laughs> and uh, my big moment, like, because we rehearsed this for three days. My big moment was about halfway through the two-hour deal. I would come around to the front, join him, and he'd be like, Dave, this is not your first time at the Exorcist House. I'm like, no, it's not, handsome man. And uh, <laughs> he's like, well, tell us about it. So I would tell the story of when we were at the Exorcist House and what happened, and I really do think it was one of the best parts of the show. A lot of people say that because the show wasn't great. And, uh, and then we fist-bumped because he was like quarterback of the football team, and I was like the guy that bring them salt pills, and uh, and then I would go back to my you know little hunchback in Notre Dame place in in the backyard, and so when we're doing when we're doing it live, I did my whole thing, and I think I, I nailed it pretty well. We did the fist bump where you blow it up and stuff, and then we're going to break, and so one of the directors was going like, get out of the shot. Get out of the shot. So I just sidestep two to my left, and someone goes, get back in there. And so if you could go back and find it, Exorcism Live, and watch the part with me, and watch how screwed up I look because it's like, and that's how I beat the devil, handsome guy. And he's like, you're the best. And we blew it up. And then I just like Pee Wee Herman in that one scene. I'm shuffling back and forth. And my eyes are darting back and forth like Linus in the Great Pumpkin Patch. And oh, it's just... It was just awful. And I'd just gotten back from Florida with the family. So I look like I'm made of tanned leather. And no one's ever been this shiny. There's not enough makeup in the world to stop it. And Tony Colombo was there just toweling me off. And the more nervous I got, the, the shinier I got. And oh, woof. Oh, man. That was, that, was a lot, that was a lot of fun, though. That was something else. It was a, it was a good show. It was fun. I mean, it was, it was fun to watch. Yeah, it was something else. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, "Dave, we really like you. We would like you to be a host." And this is in 2014. Yeah, 14 or 15. And they, and this is before Destination America did like all paranormal stuff. And we did a pitch meeting over the phone, like, "Give us your top ten ideas." But they didn't tell me it was paranormal. So I'm like. Dave does dirty jobs. I'm just like coming up yeah. with like regular shows, and they're like, "Oh, okay, well, thanks." We're kind of looking for paranormal stuff, and then and you're like, "That's my thing." And then it turned into after that, we all know you could just do paranormal blank, yeah, paranormal hospitals, paranormal monkeys, paranormal monkey mm-hmm. balls. Like you just, there are a gazillion shows that are all the same, and I could have been the host of every damn one of them. Could have, <laughs> but it had to get all awkward with the <laughs> handsome guy. Oh no. <laughs> 
<sighs> Handsome guy does that to people. I saw him the other day. He was hosting something else. Yeah? Yeah. Do you know what his name is? I want to look him up. No. It's pretty easy. Just look up, look up that. Was it the Ghost Adventures dudes, uh, or is yeah, that a different there were, one? No, it wasn't, <sighs> it wasn't any of those guys, I don't think. Okay. Well, they had a ghost hunting group there. Yes. But I, they were like a lesser. They're like the ghost hunters of Mackinac Island or something like that. They weren't <laughs> They weren't the big boys. <laughs> so you had a couple interesting sports stories? Yeah, there's a, there are a couple interesting things that are going there. Um, I think the... the the baseball one is is just quick. Like all of the wild card rounds were sweeps, so two games and over. Now you've got two days of no baseball until it comes back on Saturday. But it should get really good, you know, from this point forward because you've got all the good matchups, longer series, and all. Are that. they playing yet to go to the series? No, no. This will be the division round. Okay. Then you'll have the championship series. Then you'll have the World Series. So they've expanded it quite a bit in the last, you know, since since the last collective bargaining agreement. So Rangers and Orioles, Twins and Astros, mm-hmm. Phillies and Braves is probably the most intriguing one. Like Braves are the best team and the Phillies are this kind of interesting mix, right? They don't have a ton of wins, but they've got two ace starters. They've got star hitters. They're, they're kind of a fun team and a fun team to, to throw in there. And then Arizona and, and the Dodgers. So that'll all be starting up on Saturday. Cool. Uh, so it'll all get buried by college football, which of course is brilliant scheduling. Um, Who did Mizzou play, by the way? This weekend? Yeah. Is it LSU or something? I forget. Crazy line. I think it's LSU. I forget, but I can tell you in like 10 seconds. It actually, you know, it's it's been an I think a really fun start for Mizzou. Hell yeah. Like I don't know what the level of expectation is as you get deeper and you're playing better and better teams, but this is about what you would have hoped for, right? You're ranked, you've had some success, you've had you know, you had a game here in town that went pretty well. It's mm-hmm. not the greatest, you know, they weren't really happy with the the playing field and all that. But this weekend, and it is LSU this weekend, um, and it's 11 in the morning, so get up and get ready early in the day. This is a really interesting test. Are we there or are they here? Uh, it's at Mizzou. Okay. Uh, and LSU has got two losses already, but that doesn't really tell you anything because they lost to Florida State. That's like a top three team. Ole Miss. And they lost to Ole Miss in a shootout, and they're a ranked team also. So LSU is favored in the game by four and a half. Oh. I think that's a little light. I was going to say, that's not bad. I think LSU is probably going to win by a good bit more than that. Um, in part because just Mizzou hasn't faced this level of play yet. And and to be honest, LSU has. I mean, they faced two ranked teams, and one of them is one of the best teams in the country so far this year. And, you know, I mean, I, I almost I feel bad saying it that way, but like K-State's not at that level. I know they were ranked. They were 15th ranked team when you played them, but K-State's not at the level of a Florida State not at the level of Ole Miss or or LSU. If LSU had played Mizzou's schedule, I think they'd be undefeated also. So it's definitely not what it seems to be when you just look at the surface of the records. So be interesting. LSU can score, obviously. You got a lot yeah. of offense. So I have a Mizzou kid and a KU kid. And Nick and I are going to go to visit Phoebe in a few weeks and go see a, a basketball game and a football game. And he was like, how uncomfortable are you going to be that I'm going to wear a K-State gear? And I'm like, don't do it, dude. Just like. <laughs> oh, that he's going to wear Mizzou gear, you mean? No, he said he's going to wear K-State. Oh. Just to screw Just with. to be uh, yeah. that guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I I, I get him all mixed up. Now I don't I know what you're saying. Um, I don't know it well enough to know which one KU fans would hate more, Mizzou or K-State. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because for a long time, Mizzou has been a rival for a longer period of time. I know you have the in-state thing, but sometimes, like using where I grew up, I grew up in Michigan, Michigan, Michigan State, 
Michigan State is not Michigan's biggest rival. Ohio State is. So that's the bigger one. And heck, even Michigan-Notre Dame is a bigger rivalry because they always looked at Michigan State like little brother. And I wonder if KU looks at it that way. Yeah. Not for football because K-State's almost always been better yeah. than KU in football. Let's take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, one more sports story. I want to ask you about uh, this former sideline reporter who's on a crusade to ban tackle football for kids. 221 DGS. So my buddy Rach has uh, found a new interest in horror movies for the Halloween season. If you want to go to Twitter or Facebook and give your suggestions, Wheels and I were just saying, I love The Woman in Black with Daniel Radcliffe. It's a gothic horror. It's a classic haunted house, but it's done really well. Nick and I watch it a couple times a year together. Uh, I love that one. I like Sinister. I think that's good. One of the newer horror movies. Did we mention, did you see, did you watch Hereditary? Yeah, I didn't. I, I was extremely scared at a couple parts, but I recovered pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Because that one, I I didn't hate it. I mean, I want to be clear. A lot of these I like, but they're very. It's very. You know, it's very Wheeler of me to say this, but they just they're not that scary. Like they're the suspenseful. Scene is pretty suspenseful yeah. and spooky. yeah. There's suspense. There's intrigue. There's like I thought. Ooh, what's going to happen? Shark. Yeah. I, well, at uh, the yeah. end. Yeah. 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 Not to spoil it. No. Yeah. Uh, okay. Lots so, going on in that movie. <laughs> trying to ban tackle football. Yeah. Um, so I saw this on Twitter, uh, and, and I've talked about this a lot. I mean, people have asked me, if you had a son, would you let him play football? And I, m- my first answer is no. Uh, but definitely not tackle football before they're at least a teenager. Um, because of what we know about brain development and also the development of your body, right? Like, and I'm going to get into this because I saw this on Twitter. Uh, Jill Arrington, who used to be a sideline reporter uh, for college football, I believe she did NFL too, but she was, you know, like she was Aaron Andrews right before Aaron Andrews. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you think of the most popular sideline reporters. I mean, she was that in the 90s. Um, we were classmates at Miami. We were on oh, all cool. the same year, same broadcast journalism program. And she uh, get her on. What's that? She get her I, on. I haven't, you know, I haven't even thought to reach out, but yeah, I'll send a, a direct a DM. But She's on a big crusade for this. She's pushing it very hard in the state of California for legislative purposes, like to for them to to outlaw tackle football. And her and her effort is under age fourteen. I think I could compromise on thirteen as well. I would say like junior high is kind of the the time where I might be a little bit more open to it. But the argument is simple. Every time your brain shakes in your head, damage is done. Okay. So people think too much about concussions and not enough about the subconcussive hits that build up over time. That's what leads to that CTE that people talk about that ends up leading to football players that are in their 40s and 50s seeming like they're senile. It's what leads to the extreme depression. Uh, it is, it's been shown by the doctors at Boston University to lead to a lack of impulse control. So you wonder why do these guys do these stupid things all the time? They're brain damaged. Like they, they are literally damaging their brains from the time they're five and six years old mm-hmm. playing tackle football. And a lot of people that are experts in the brain, studying the brain, said, "Listen, they should. You shouldn't be playing tackle football until you're old enough to where your body can help absorb some of the momentum." I saw a documentary about this not long ago. One of the, um, I, it was Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was doing a study on the most violent hits that they could record. So the most violent meaning. The most violent shaking of the brain. Okay, so they had sensors on helmets, and they did this test on all kinds of age groups. They did it, I think they did it on Virginia Tech's football team, Mm. but they did high school youth, 
the most violent hit they saw, the worst shaking of the brain they saw was nine-year-olds. Wow. Two nine-year-olds running into each other. And the 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 impact that the brain felt because of the because they're head, they're like bobbleheads. Yeah, I mean you have these giant helmets on a little head with no neck, no yeah. muscles to support the yeah. neck, nothing to hold it from whipping back. So you get this mm. massive whiplash effect. I didn't know that. And when you when you look at how much tackling goes into it, and, and not just tackling, like the offensive and defensive sure. linemen Every running play. into each other, it's literally every single play. Yeah. I think there's a really strong, like, smart, scientific argument behind this. Not to ban football, because I think it's okay. Like, flag football and all that is, if you're talking about building skills, learning how to throw a ball, learning how to catch a ball, learning how to, you know, cover, learning formations, learning plays, like, all of that can go on. And hockey already has stuff like this. Hockey forever has had limits. You can't check, I think, until you're 12. There's no physical checking. You can, you're can. you not allowed to run into each other on purpose. I mean, they run into each other by accident, but you're not allowed to hit. You're not allowed to check. I believe it's 12. And that's been pretty universal in hockey for, as, I mean, going back to when I was a kid and probably I, before that. I worry about myself sometimes. I know if you do. I played football for several years, and I was in one of the worst positions ever because I was perennially the second-string running back. And in practice every day, we would play against the first string defense. Does that make sense? So, because a lot of guys went both ways. And so I was on an offense in practice that wasn't nearly as good as the defense I was playing against. And so I got smashed a lot. And I remember two or three times having my bell rung enough to where I sort of opened my eyes and looked up at a coach. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just... With Alzheimer's in my family and then and yeah. then sports in my background, anytime I forget, you know, the other day I couldn't remember what Joe Biden looked like. And, uh, you know, anytime things like that happen, I'm like, well, here it is. It's time for that now. Yeah, I, I think depending on how, how when did you start playing tackle football? Not until my ninth grade year. Then you're probably not in as much of a risk at that. Uh, even though you have, I mean, there's always some, right? But what 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 they're pointing out and what Jill, it's Jill Arrington, that's the one that's doing this. Um She's pointing out that all of that time from when you're like six or seven and all the way up until you, you're done playing, you're building this up, right? So if you're done before you get to high school, you may not have that many problems. If you're done right after high school, you still could have problems. I mean, we have they have found CTE in high school football players who have killed themselves. So... That's really young to be dealing with that kind of thing. I mean, they found it in in football players, college players, pro players that are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s. It's a really legitimate argument, and people turn it into this tough guy stuff. Like, well, no, you got to learn how to be tough. Yeah, you know, Tom Brady didn't play tackle football until he was in high school. He did okay. Welcome back, guys. DGS 233. Uh, My next guest, if you listen to the DGS for any amount of time, you know him very well, former state senator Jeff Smith. Uh, Jeff spent some time as a guest of the uh, Department of Justice, and uh, he's very open about that, has written about it, told the story a couple times in detail here in the DGS. And uh, like all good people do, he turned that into something good to help other people. And he's been doing the Second Chance Job Fair now for years. We've been trying to help him out with that. And he joins us now to talk about that. And we'll, we'll squeeze a little politics out of him along the way. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Dave. What's going on, man? How are you? I am well. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Uh, So I love this. You know, I love this. You know, we've always been supportive. I think it's fantastic. Uh, You start wherever you want to start and tell us all about it. 
Okay. Well, you guys have always been supportive and it always actually shows up because after I go on your show and talk about the job fair, I almost always get emails from a couple employers uh, who, who participate. So let me, that'll make more sense to people uh, in a moment here. What the second chance job fair is, is an opportunity for people who have just come home from prison or just left jail to find gainful employment. Uh, the Transformative Workforce Academy, a nonprofit that operates out of St. Louis University, goes into state and county correctional facilities, makes two-minute videos, like video resumes of people who are coming home, where people get a chance to say, hey, you know, here's my story, here's my work history, here's some things I'm good at, here's the mistake I made, but here's what I've learned from it and how it's made me a stronger person. And here's what motivates me, you know, to do better uh, this next time. And then the videos get sorted into categories based on the industry sectors that the job seeker might be uh, interested in working in. Mm -hmm. And then the companies who participate, they receive customized video reels where they can choose who they want to interview. I love that. And Jeff, you know this that this is for people who've been in jail or prison. But as you're talking through this, I could do a two-minute video like that. Anyone who's honest could do a two-minute video like that. Hey, here's how I screwed up, and here's what I learned from it, and here's why I would be a better employee. So it's not just people who have been incarcerated. It's just honest people because everyone messes up in life. That's so true. That That's so true. And, you know, a lot of folks uh, who, who go through this program um, have – didn't really have much of a first chance in life. A lot of them, you know, grew up in very difficult circumstances, experienced a lot of trauma as kids, uh, and are now really looking to turn their life around. And a lot of companies are in great need of talent right now. You know, we've seen uh, for for a couple of years now um, situations, kind of a macroeconomic situation, where there's more jobs out there than there are people ready to fill them. So this is a great solution for companies. And it's an even better solution, we think, for people uh, who, need, who need a second chance. Because if you've got that, that mistake on your resume, a lot of employers just see that and they mark you off right away when they read about a conviction. Yeah. So it's that much more important for, this, uh, for second chance job seekers to have a way to really humanize themselves and come off the page as more than the worst thing that they've ever done. And that's why these videos are important. So, Jeff, is it any employer out there, whether it's a bakery or a hospital group or anyone at all, you're looking for any employers? We're looking for any employers. We got employers in a bunch of different sectors. We've got people in the healthcare sector. We've got people in landscaping. We've got restaurants. We've got manufacturing and industrial. We've got office and clerical work, sales work. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, there's all kinds of people who come through our program, some white collar, uh, some pink collar, some blue collar, all types, but we'll find you someone who fits. So if you're an employer that's interested uh, in, in potentially exploring this talent source, you can email me at jeffsmith2006 at gmail.com, jeffsmith2006 at gmail.com. Also, if you're a volunteer or someone who's interested in volunteering, we have volunteer job coaches who work with uh, our participants to help them get ready um, for for the actual interview and to help them onboard when they do get a job. So we have a need for that as well. So you can reach me the same way. Uh, if, if that's something that's up your alley, jeffsmith2006 at gmail.com. And it couldn't be done without the generosity of sponsors. Walmart has stepped up in a big way uh, to, to sponsor this season's job there. So we're very grateful to them. 
Fantastic. Um, okay, so let's let's squeeze a little politics out of you. When you were watching— and Can I say one more thing, Dave? Oh, of course, yeah. Just the number one thing that determines whether or not someone's going to go back to prison and keep costing taxpayers more money or whether someone will stay out is if they can get a full-time job in the first few months. So that's really what we're trying to do. We want to benefit these people. We want to benefit companies, but we want to benefit public safety more broadly in this region. God knows we need that. So this can have a, a bigger impact. So that's why we do it. And, you know, it, it feels great to write a check and give money to a charity, which we've all done. But what you're talking about, like personally mentoring someone, that that, that sounds pretty life changing for the person doing the mentoring as well. It's pretty rewarding. So what did you make of the whole uh, ousting and uh, debacle in the House? You know, Kevin McCarthy uh, kind of made his own bed, and then he had to lie in it, right? He wanted the position so bad that he agreed to terms back in January that made an outcome like this pretty predictable. Once he agreed to letting a single member call a vote to vacate the chair, you kind of knew that given how unruly some of those Freedom Caucus members like Matt Gates are, he would face this moment in the not-too-distant future, and it's what happened. Um, so I'm, I'm not shocked by it. Uh, you know, there's just a real uh, issue in the Republican Party right now about who is going to be the leader, who, what is going to be the voice, what will be the message. There's a real tension between the half of the Republican Party that worships Donald Trump and the other half of the Republican Party almost that's ready to move past him. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, this struggle that we'll see over the next week about who's going to be the, the most prominent Republican in the country uh, is just a reflection of that broader uh, tension within the Republican Party about its direction. So for obvious reasons, we talk so much about the big ticket, Biden versus Trump. We don't talk that much about down ballot stuff, but with all of this acrimony in the Republican side of, of the House, at least. What effect do you see this having in 2024, the down ballot stuff? You know, I think there's going to be real challenges for the Republican Party because the place where American elections are won or lost are swing districts in swing states. Uh, places like South St. Louis County, parts of West St. Louis County, uh, you know, the exurbs um, around the country, uh, in Atlanta, outside Phoenix, outside Milwaukee, uh, outside Philadelphia and Pittsburgh, right? The, inner, the kind of inner suburbs and cities are Democratic. The rural areas are Republican. But those suburban areas where suburban women in particular are so turned off by Trump, he is going to create headwinds in the swing districts in the key states. So, I think there are going to be real implications if he is not the nominee, you know, and this is the catch 22 for Republicans right now. If he's the nominee, he hurts in those in those suburbs, especially with women. If he isn't the nominee, then I can't envision a scenario. Can you, Dave, where Donald Trump stands up at the Republican National Convention and says, we all need to get behind Nikki Haley? No, I mean, that's just not happening. No. And so a lot of his core base may just take their ball and go home and not vote. And so neither of those situations seem ideal from an electoral perspective if you're a Republican. Yeah, so interesting. Jeff, what's the email one more time for employers out there if they want to be a part of the Second Chance Job Fair? Email me at jeffsmith2006 at gmail.com. Very good. Thanks, Jeff. Good luck. Hey, thanks so much, Dave. You're welcome, pal. 
this story caught me by surprise. The era of COVID vaccination cards is over. The CDC announced that they've stopped printing COVID-19 vaccination cards. They distributed about a billion of them during COVID. Uh, but since you no longer, I'd forgotten this, you had to bring it to a restaurant or a bar mm-hmm. or a concert or things yeah, like that. Concerts. I guess I just didn't go out much. Uh, but so I know right where mine is, yep. you know, like in a little drawer at my house and for the next time I need it. But I guess we can forget about those. So if you go to get your booster, don't worry about bringing your card because they're probably not going to stamp it. It doesn't say that. Um, yeah, it doesn't say that. To me, that's the most important part. If I go to CVS, I'm going to get my booster. Do I need to have that? I don't know. I mean, I'm going to take it any, either way. I wonder if there are still businesses out there who want you to prove that you're fully vaccinated before you come in. It just feels like something that we all collectively gave up on. Yeah, that yeah. was when that was kind of when I felt like, you know, not to say that it's necessarily over, but that's when I felt like the pandemic was like at its end was when you stopped seeing that. You stopped seeing or like the mask requirements anywhere, like concerts, doctor's offices, hospitals. This big, this thing I'm going to, I'm going to, I think, wear a mask during it because it's like 3,000 people in a, mm-hmm. in a uh, civic center. But they are just sort of now lifting like mask restrictions and, and needing to show proof of vaccine. I think I'll wear a mask on a plane for the rest of my life. Just, I mean, I know there are people listening right now screaming at the radio like it doesn't do anything, but it just makes me feel more comfortable whenever I'm, you know, in a tight situation with that many people i'd rather have my mask on yeah i think for the rest of my life myself from getting a cold i will be weirded out by being in crowds i've Mm. never been a big fan of it but after covid i don't know um i don't know if you guys know this out there but it's an increasing problem that i guess you'd say homeless people uh, are standing outside of fast food restaurants and CVS and Walgreens and asking you to buy them stuff. And at a uh, McDonald's, where did this happen in North Dakota, a guy asked uh, a gentleman to buy him a Happy Meal, and he said, no, go get a job, which is rude. But the guy uh, pulled a gun out of his little child stroller and put it in the guy's face. Which, so the, which guy pulled the gun? The person asking for the Happy Meal. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so the person that was asking did that. Had a gun in the stroller. Yes. Yeah. Nothing nah. good about that story. No. But uh, I saw this when Phoebe and I were in D.C. I've seen it here locally in St. Louis. Uh, we see it a lot downtown. But even like Weston, Del Mar area, I'm starting to see where there are people standing outside CVS and Walgreens and just asking everyone that, that goes in, hey, will you go buy me this? Will you go buy me that? So mm. kind of spooky. Mm. Welcome back, guys. DGS 248. Tomorrow, 7 p.m. on KMWX is the debut of the Rachel Zimmerman show, and she is lording it over us. Nice. My <laughs> God. Uh, it will repeat Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., so support Rach and listen to it and be nice on social media and tell your friends about it. Thanks, Dave. Uh, preview the show. Uh, our first guest is Kara Spencer. She's the older person from the 8th Ward, and you just kind of get to know Kara a little bit. It's a nice human interest story, and she does talk about kind of the state of things in St. Louis right now. We'll also talk to Robin from Art St. Louis. That's an art gallery that's in our work building I'm a patron here. there. Yeah, Dave has bought several pieces yes. of artwork from Art St. Louis. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll start the show by doing a little monologuing by myself. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. Monologuing's hard. It yeah. is extremely difficult, and I talk about how hard it is. It's, it's very difficult. It's not hard for wheels. No. No. 
<laughs> you could just give him a topic and he'd be like, okay, here we go. I'm more of a filibusterer. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a genuine skill. Remember when we used to do two minutes? Where you guys yeah. would all stop talking and sure I would do. just try and go for two minutes. And... <laughs> Ooh-wee. Um, right. Uh, the Google Doc says, I guess I'm just emotionally intelligent. Oh, yeah, because I saw a study that says people with social anxiety have a high emotional IQ. So I guess I'm just emotionally intelligent is all. What about people who run into doors a lot? Is that... Uh, <laughs> what are you talking about? about? That? That's, that's me. That's what I do. I don't... What? The, anyway, <laughs> I, I'm not sure those things go together. <laughs> no, it says which uh, one of these is not like the other one. Science links anxiety to high IQs and social anxiety to a very rare psychic gift. So I guess I have a psychic gift oh, too because I have wow. both. Okay. <laughs> What's gonna happen next week? I have regular anxiety and social anxiety. Uh, so yeah. What's a psychic gift? Yeah, does it say like what the gift is? That's a good question. Let me scroll down here for a second. It says call the psychic hotline <laughs> yeah. to find out. Rachel read, I have a psychic gift and stop there. <laughs> I was like, yep, it's Laska <laughs> Shiardi. Good enough known. for me. I, thought yes. I already knew. Yeah. Sounds about right. Oh, it's an empath. So people whose right brains are operating significantly significantly above normal levels and are able to perceive the physical sensitivities, spiritual urges, motivations, and intentions of other people around them. So you're a witch. I guess so. Guess I'm scared. But a good of witch. A good witch. You're Glinda. Just one of those everyday things that people are afraid of. <laughs> That's right. Witches. <laughs> and <laughs> tell us about the American Girl Girl of oh, the Year. Yeah. So I, any chance I can, I would love to talk about the American Girls on uh, the radio. Oh, can I say one thing real quick? Yeah. We're with Phoebe. Uh, whatever it was a couple weeks ago we went to for parents day and we we're just having a good time and laughing she was wearing shorts or skirt or something and she goes yeah uh here's the thing also besides my nickname being phobie Wan kenobi is they say i have american girl legs and her mom <laughs> and i looked down at her legs and sure enough uh they're very wee and very tan and very shiny and they <laughs> look just like an american girl and i was like holy god i never noticed in 18 years so <laughs> she got that going for it nice <laughs> So American Girl has announced its 2024 Girl of the Year. Her name is Lila Minetti. She's a 10-year-old growing up in Minnesota who's developing new ho- hobbies and pushing through challenges. So she's... What kind in- of challenges is she facing? Uh, yeah. Well, she started competitive gymnastics, and she has also started horseback riding. Well, that's tough when you're not alive. Oh, so she's rich. She's really... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Wait, she's this is not girl. a real person? No, it's the doll. No, it's, it's the 2024 Mikey doll of the what year. What do you think it was? Yeah, like they you think it was custom... best girl in America? No, like I thought they, you know, you know, like an entry. You know, you drop your kid's name in a little uh, bowl, okay. and they pick the one, they pick the big no, one out. You know, this is a fictional doll. Oh my god! <laughs> so she's facing a common crossroads for girls her age: a changing friendship with her best friend. Mm-hmm. In the end, she learns that goals don't always have to be about sports, medals, and trophies. An equally important goal might be to allow a friendship to change and grow over time. So Lila has a lot I need going an American on. Girl doll. Yeah, just there's go hang some out. With wis- your, there's some wisdom. I'm there. telling you, they're really fun. And they come with these books. Like I've read so many American Girl doll books. They're really great. I mean, I think they're great toys. We, They're overpriced. We but. support you. Um, <laughs> no, let me keep going. No one's on the other except Kevin. Kevin might be on the other side. <laughs> on what? I just thought it was a little bit detailed for a toy. That's the point. It's, they want to get as in detail as possible so people don't, don't buy it. I don't know. Let me, let me, it's like someone does it was a joke. Let me, gymnastics? Let I thought I meant a real girl. I'm let sorry. Let me back a little bit. When I was a kid and I had my action figure guys, 
they were way more detailed than Carly yeah. Maletti was yeah, or whatever. Sure. That's what I'm like, saying. Like, they had backstories out the wazoo. I'm still writing those movies And it was head. always very dark and, like, the hero's oh, yeah. arc. And- oh, no, no, no. Yeah, sure. Kids create those in their heads when they're playing. I just think it's, it's like, striking that they went to that detail to make it sound like a real kid. Well, because then you can take that backstory and expand upon it there while you you're playing with your American Girl dolls. I had my Barbies and my little action figures and stuff, and they had their world, which was very in-depth, like you said, Dave. And then I had the cover world for whenever yeah. people would oh, walk sure. in. So I had kind of yes. a double life going on. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I knew my world was their weird. Voices would change. I knew it was yeah. messed up, what and I didn't need again? to share it with people. What was her name again? <laughs> Who? The doll. Oh, Lila. Lila Minnelli. I thought she said weird when you ask. Well, I thought she said Liza Minnetti, and that made me think of Liza Minnelli. And I was like, what's the name of that? She likes to dance. She likes to sing. No, she likes to drink once in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I I loved that era, the the action figure era. Yeah. Man, that was good. G.I. Joe's. I never had, I mean, I have literally had a G.I. Joe, but they didn't make up the bulk of my. World, yeah. I had six million dollar man. Oh, still got him. He, was, he you're talking about the, like the tall ish yeah, one with the uh, the spacecraft and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Major Matt Mason. Major Matt Mason. Then I had a bunch of just like Kresge bargain guys. <laughs> was yeah. okay, and I and I mean <laughs> this cool with as, I mean this with as much respect as is humanly possible. Uh-huh. I thought Major Matt Mason was a Kresge bargain guy. I thought no, he was like no. the venture brand. No, he was like know? for real. Okay. He yeah. was cool. We were the uh, Star Wars toy. Yep. Yep. And, uh, but see, like when I was doing G.I. When G.I. Joe was big for my age group, it wasn't that guy. The it was the smaller guy. plastic ones yeah. that were like the Star Wars figures. And then they had all the ships. and Yeah, the one from my era was like a, the size of a second grader. <laughs> now I know that Andrew and Kevin. Wait, you do have a sister, but it's a, she's she eighteen a lot years younger, younger than so me. So you yeah. didn't have girls' toys in the in the house. No, well, we did. Dave, they were just mine. Oh, that's right. I had I had the pet shop to go along with the hair. I also had a I also had a a veterinary kit. I had a little doggy doll. But that's not for girls. Like that's silly to say. It was girls. It was for girls. Not well, really. But that's, if you that's saw so it, limiting to say that it's for girls. But if you, you saw were a very it, progressive child. It was it was built like for like it all had it was all it was like pink. pink yeah, yeah pink and, and hearts on it. Yeah, it my was kid like, loved the pet shop. Clearly pets. targeted mm. as a girl at girls. Yeah, Lilith's pet shop was the jam. Yeah, those Did cool. you ever incorporate any girls' toys into your play, Dave? Um, not intentionally because they weren't there. Like from my sister. And my dad would have had kittens, you know. <laughs> yeah. He already, he already caught me making out with my, that one doll behind the couch uh-huh. wearing my mom's wig. Um, so I, I was up against it. I was trying to be as manly as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, as I understand it, my dad wasn't necessarily thrilled. But Girls he was had very cool much like, toys, though. Very, like... Yeah. In depth. I mean, look how far they're going into the backstory for the American Girl doll. I'm just saying. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.